0: You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. All right, uh, in the book of Joshua, you know, on this final Sunday of the year and uh, really the final Sunday of the decade, kind of interesting, I'd like to direct your, your, your hearts to remember what the Lord has done and what God is doing. Hasn't the Lord been good? We've got, we've got a lot that we can reflect on and think about the goodness of the Lord. You know, a healthy memory looks back and endeavors to go forward. A healthy memory, the Bible says that we should remember uh, re- remember what the Lord has done, remember his blessings. however, sometimes we look back and we remember the wrong things you know it 's kind of like uh, like when you're a kid and you get distracted at something behind you and you look back and you end up running into a pole or something you know uh, you look back at the wrong things and you look at things that don 't help you, but they hinder you that aggravate rather than help you advance, in, advance you in your life. Did you know this morning that God wants to establish you? God wants to plant your life on new ground. I mean, I'm talking about promised ground. Promised ground, providential ground, provided ground. If you are hearing me today, if you hear the sound of my voice, I can tell you one thing for certain. God has a prescribed plan for your life. And I'm telling you, God means good for you. Amen? If if you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, He wants to save your soul. Amen? He wants wants you to know the wonderful gift it is to have your sins forgiven and have a relationship with the God and the Creator of heaven and earth. Amen? But if you're saved, I'm telling you, God has a life for you. He has blessings for you. He wants to establish your life. The Lord has an inheritance for each of us that He wants to us to utilize for success. The New Testament repeatedly teaches us the principle of our wealth in Christ, and and understand when I talk about wealth and I'm talking about success, I'm not necessarily talking about it uh, on the thing on the worldly standard of wealth and success. Uh, nothing wrong if God chooses to bless you in that way, but I believe the things that I have that are the most valuable are things that you can't put a price on. Right? Uh, I mean, it's the things you can't put a price on, and that's what I'm talking about: joy, peace, uh, the family, and the peace within the family that God gives. Um, And so, but God has a plan. He has an inheritance. He has riches that have no price tag attached to them. And He wants you to inherit and live. Now, the question is this this morning. The question is, are you ready to leave the falters and the failures of yesterday behind? Are you ready to leave that behind? Are you ready to leave the besetting sins and the, and the hindrances and, and, and just the completely falling on your face, the wandering in circles, all of these things behind? Amen. I say that because some people seem hesitant to want to leave those things behind. But if you're ready, uh, listen, the, the thing we need to understand is that the truth is that you and I serve the God of the impossible. We serve the God of the impossible. And this will probably be a theme of mine over the next couple of weeks, uh, one way or the other. The God of the impossible. We certainly must not settle for wandering aimlessly through this life. If you look at the, the history and the background leading up to Joshua 2, you understand that the, the generation that led the gen, generation of the Israelites that were to come into Canaan's land had been wandering in circles for 40 years. All because they did not believe God. They doubted that God could do what He said He would do. You know, it shouldn't be too hard, but for some reason it's hard for a man sometimes to believe God. And to believe that God is best. You know something else that's hard as we talk about believing and trusting the God of the impossible? Sometimes it's hard to hope. Sometimes it's scary to hope. Because I ask you, do you believe that God can do the impossible? See, because we shouldn't settle for less. We shouldn't settle for meandering and wandering around. But I want to tell you something else. We should not accept and we shouldn't simply settle for God doing great things. I'll say that again. We should not settle for God doing great things and God doing great things in our lives. We do not need to settle for great things. Why? Because men do great things all the time. I mean, read business journals. Read history. There's people that do great things. And thank God for great things. But God, He doesn't say He's the God of the great. He's the God of the impossible. Amen? So we don't just need to settle for great things. We definitely don't need to settle for meandering and wandering through this life. But I'm telling you, God wants to do greater things. Look with me. Notice with me as I try to introduce this verse. And and the presentation of this message may be a little bit different. But just bear with me. Joshua 3 verse 5 is where we will begin. The Bible says, And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do... What's that next word? Wonders. Wonders. I mean, mark that word. Highlight it. Circle it. The Lord will do wonders among you. What's a wonder? It's something that you can't explain. It's something that only God can do. I mean, God wants to do wonders through your life. I'm glad that we still serve the God of the impossible. You know what I believe today? I believe we've seen God do some things that that humanly speaking are impossible. Even just in our time at at Elk Point Baptist Church. I believe God has done the miraculous, and when I talk about the miraculous, I think some of the greatest miracles. I, I think I think in particularly of uh, some of the people that have come to the Lord, some of the people that have accepted Christ as their Savior. Because anytime somebody asks me, "Do you believe in miracles?" I've got a real simple response to that. You know what I say? You're looking at one. Amen. Amen? Because if you if you knew who I was. Furthermore, if you knew who I really am, you would would know that for God to use somebody like me is a miracle. For God to save me, for God to call me to preach, it is a miracle. There's no greater miracle than salvation. And I'm not saying, why? Because it's nothing I've done. It's the fact that I put my faith and trust in Christ and it's that He's changed my life. God does wonders, and He's done, He has done great things. I believe He's done wonders uh, here at this church. I, I've said it before because I, I do want to review a little bit because there are some of these principles that remind us as I talk about remembering and memorializing. It's an amazing thing if you just sit and think about this. I remember when the Lord first uh, began to call me to Elk Point. Uh, for one thing, if you know much as a, as a preacher and as a guy that's planted a church in Pierre and that, that's been a church planter... Uh, for years, technically, that, uh, that you get a lot of advice and you read a lot of things. And one thing you are told absolutely not to do. Number one, you never go to a small town to start a church. You don't do that. Why? Because you cannot build a self-sustaining church in a small town. It will not happen. You must go to the larger city. And then you can reach out into the little dunk places, you know, as you go along. Do not go. I've told you all this before, but you can't go to, don't go to South Dakota. There's not even a million people in the state. Go someplace with millions of people. Then you can build a church. Then you can see the Lord. You may or may not realize this, but if you look around you and see what the Lord has done here, I want to tell you, it's God. It really is. And I, and I give him all the glory for that. Uh, I, I want to tell you this. That 10 years ago, as I think about the decade, 10 years ago, I was preparing. I was in North Carolina in transition. I had left here, spent some time in North Carolina before coming back to start a church in Vermilion, South Dakota. I did not know that there was a place called Elk Point, South Dakota. I had stopped, it, I had stopped here for gas before, but it's not like it really registered. Uh, But I I didn't even know this place was a thing ten years ago. (laughs) And it's just amazing to see what the Lord has done since that time. And it's been God that's been doing this work. But what I'm trying to say is this. He does wonders. And I believe He's done some of those. But He wants to do more. He wants to do some of these things in Akron. Amen. And He wants to do some of these things in Mobile. I mean, listen, I'm excited about what God holds in store. But here's what He said. The Lord will do wonders. What a blessing, amen. So God has said what He will do. But listen to me closely. He says, this is what I'm going to do. But first, I got some things you need to do. i got some things you need to do. Now, the good news is when it comes to salvation, Jesus has done it all, amen. And all you must simply do is put your faith and trust in the finished work of the cross, and the, the, His death, burial, and His resurrection. But as God's people, notice what it says here in verse number 8. Uh, The Bible says, And thou shalt command the priest that bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When ye are come to the brink of the water of Jordan, ye shall stand still in Jordan. Now, so this is them crossing the Jordan River. Now, the Jordan River lies in a structural depression that has the lowest elevation of any river in the world. The lowest elevation of any river in the world. The Jordan River. Uh, The river rises on the slopes, the slopes of Mount Hermon, and on the border between Syria and Lebanon, and it flows southward, emptying into the Dead Sea. Now, look at verse number thirteen, Joshua three thirteen. The Bible says, "And it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests that bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of Jordan." that the waters of Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come down from above, and they shall stand upon an heap. And it came to pass, when the people removed from their tents to pass over Jordan, and the priests bearing the ark of the covenant before the people, and as they that bear the ark were coming to Jordan, that the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped in the brim of the water. Now notice this next statement. For Jordan overfloweth all his banks All the time of harvest. (laughs) Now let me tell you something. Get the picture here. God has led the children of Israel to this point. God has said, I want you to go over there. The problem with getting over there is there's a river between them and over there. Now this river ordinarily was a river that was about 100 feet wide. Maybe 10 to 15 feet deep, which is deep enough. Uh, So that would be challenging enough to get across. But understand something. The Bible says it was flood stage. It was the time of year of flooding. And so uh, early explorers reported that at flood stage, that that the River Jordan could be as wide as a mile wide. Rushing, muddy water... This isn't a pristine river. There's a lot of us I think about that reminds me of of the Missouri River. Amen. Uh, The Jordan River. You don't. You don't. I mean, the Jordan River. You know, in in a lot of ways, like certain parts of the Missouri River, you don't just say, "Hey, let's go jump in and go swimming." Right? Uh, You're liable to die. I mean, and but the Jordan River, man, it was flooding. A mile wide was the river. The 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 flood, the flooding of this river. All right. So just keep that in mind, and we'll come back to that in a moment. So just remember that. Verse sixteen that the waters which came down from above stood and rose upon an heap from as far as the city of Azadam. We would say Adam, and that is significant. That is beside Zaratan, And those that came down toward the sea of the plain, even the Salt Sea, failed and were cut off. And all the people passed over right against Jericho. And the priests that buried the Ark of the Covenant stood firm on dry ground in the midst of Jordan, and all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until the people passed clean over Jordan. What an amazing thing. So, what they did here, and I want to read and show you a couple of verses out of chapter four, and then we'll try to tie it all together. Um, But here they come. And they come to this river a mile wide. It's flooding. It's rushing. It's dangerous. its I mean, it's nothing that you want to deal with. And God says, okay, I'm going to lead you over there. But they had the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. It it was where uh, the Lord would show up. And so it's a picture of the presence of God, really. It's a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. And He told these priests, they was carrying this on their shoulders. And here's the, the, the water... I'm going to to do wonders among you. But first, you have to come and step into that water. See, God did not do like He did with the Red Sea and open it up and then they went across... First, they had to be willing to step into this water. And when the priest stepped into the water, then God backed that up 20 miles up to the city of Adam. And up there in a, in a big heap and a big wall was this huge wall of water as the, 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 bank was dry, the riverbed was dried up to where all these people could come across. And then uh, just real quickly, go to chapter 4, verse 1. I want to get you the overview and then try to apply it to your life and mine. Chapter 4, verse 1, And it came to pass, when all the people were clean passed over Jordan, that the Lord spake unto Joshua, saying, Take you twelve men out of, out of the people, out of every tribe a man, and command you them, saying, Take you hence out of the midst of Jordan, out of the place where the priest's feet stood firm, twelve stones, and you shall carry them over with you, and leave them in the lodging place where you, should, uh, where you shall lodge this night. When Joshua called the twelve men whom he had prepared of the children of Israel out of every tribe of man, and Joshua said to them in verse 5, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of Jordan, and take ye up every man a stone upon his shoulder." and, a, and unto, the, unto the number of the tribes of the children of Israel. And this shall be a sign among you when your children shall ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean ye by these stones? So they didn't just grab a petal. So the, the river's dried up. But Joshua sent 12 men back and said, Okay, every man grab a stone. And the fact that they had to put it up on their shoulder tells us that there's a little weight to these stones. So they're, they're fairly good size. And just to, uh, you know, just for research purposes, I went and tried to lift up some stones to try to see, you know, about how heavy and how big these would be. And it, it, it took me, Dan, it was about a 300 pound stone that I was able to get up on my shoulder. <laughs> uh, and it was like this bit No, I'm just kidding you, amen. It wasn't that, it was not that big, but it was still big enough, significant enough um, to carry We had to lift it up and carry it on your shoulder. And listen, from what I read, they had to carry these stones eight miles. It's like the original CrossFit, man. I mean, they were uh, they were carrying these suckers, and uh, man, there's so much that could be said about carrying these burdens. There's a lot of preaching in here that I'm going to skip over to try to get to the point. Uh, notice real quickly, we'll drop all the way down to verse number 17 of chapter four. Chapter, verse 17, the Bible says, Joshua therefore commanded the priests, saying, "Come ye up out of out of Jordan." And it came to pass when the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord were come up out of the midst of Jordan and the soles of the priest's feet were lifted unto dry land that the waters of Jordan returned unto their place. And can you imagine that flood? They returned unto their place and flowed over all His banks again. And then verses 20-24 real quickly. And those twelve stones which Joshua took out of Jordan, did Joshua pitch in Gilgal. And he spake unto the children of Israel saying, When your children shall ask their fathers in time to come saying, What mean these stones? Then you shall let your children know saying, Israel come, came over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of Jordan from before you until you were passed over as the, as the Lord your God did at to the Red Sea, which He dried up from before us until we were gone over, that all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord is mighty, and that ye might fear the Lord your God forever. Alright, so... Passing through the Jordan into the Promised Land was a, a, a significant point, obviously, in the history of Israel. It transformed Israel into a wandering horde of people into an established nation. And this is what I started off with. God wants to establish you. God wants you to live with a purpose. God wants you to live uh, fulfilling that which He has for your life. See, to the people, the river seemed like an insurmountable obstacle. But to God, it represented a decisive turning point. Consider this with me just for a moment. The transition from the wilderness to Canaan was not made over continuous dry ground. There was a water boundary that was imposed, interposed through which they had to pass. Now, the, the, the idea behind that is this. This wasn't the same old. There was going to be a significant difference. See, some people try, they they want to try church or they want to try Jesus or, or, you know, it's a new year, so let's turn over a new leaf. And and basically, in a lot of ways, if if you're not careful, you can just kind of keep on going down the same old path. Really, you know, it's just kind of trying to add something. But God is trying to say, no, 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 no. There's a significant change here. This river, 40 years they've been wandering, but now there's this boundary. There's there's something different here that the Lord is trying to do. See, what God is trying to do is make a difference. He's trying to make a significant change in the hearts and lives of these people. See, what God wants to teach us is this, that He is the God of the impossible. Let me tell you this, He's the God of the impossible. He is the God of the impassable. This river was impassable. But God made it possible. God made it passable. That's our God. So now most of the year, as I said, Jordan River was about 100 feet wide and 10 to 15 deep, 3 feet at some places. Now, let's just stop and think about something for a second. Wouldn't this time of year been better? God? Okay, Lord, You're leading us across. Uh, we've got to cross this river we would say, well, we need to wait for things to dry up. We need to wait, you know, till winter. Maybe when, when, when Herman isn't, uh, when the snow's not coming down off the top of there, when it's not flood season. Let's cross when it's 100 feet. But God in His leading says, oh no, I want you to come now. Now. Do you ever struggle with God's timing Or can we not just come back in a couple months? Do you ever struggle with God's direction? He led them right to this most difficult place. You know what He led them to? He led them to an impossible place. I want you to know something today. God will lead you straight to some impossible situations in your life. God will lead you to some places in your life that are so impassable and so impossible and you wonder, Lord, why? Why can't you make this easier? Why can't you make this plainer? Why can't you just guide me around this river? Why not get... These guys had a lot of ingenuity. Give Give us a bridge builder, you know? Where's the Corps of Engineers? I mean, we can get over this thing. But God says, oh, no, no, no. This is when I want to do it. Do you ever struggle with God's timing and His direction? See, but here's the thing about God. You mark this down and you mark it down well. God likes to work when nothing else will. He likes to work when nothing else will work. He likes to work. You know what He wants to do in your life? He wants to do a miracle. He wants to do wonders. He wants to do the impossible. He likes to work when it seems like the worst time possible. I mean, listen, the rushing, flooding Jordan River, it was an obstacle that humanly speaking was impossible to cross. There's no one, arguably no one, that could have safely made it across a mile of rushing, muddy water. But that's the whole point, amen? I mean, not, a, not, not one person would be able But Jesus is. Amen? And see, the ark pictures the Lord Jesus Christ. When the ark came into that water, here's the thing, the Lord will make a way for you. The Lord will make a way for you. Here's the thing. We just have to be willing to follow. God led them to to this place to show them that He's the God of all the earth. He's the Lord God. He says these things repeatedly in chapters 3 and 4. And He does this. He leads us to impossible places to show us that nothing is impossible with God. There's no creature, no power that can hold us back from what He has for us. Us. There's no obstacle too great. We get discouraged sometimes when God leads us to these kind of places. When He leads us to the Jordan River, when He leads the children of Israel to the brink of the Red Sea. In the chapters following, they come up. God leads them right to the walls of Jericho. Here it is. Here's the here's the blessing of God. Here's Canaan land. Let's go get it. And they literally run slap-dab in the middle of the walls of Jericho right away. That's not what we want. I thought if I started serving God, things would be easy. Why would you want that? I know why you would want it, because I want it sometimes. But I want to tell you something that's better than the easy. That's the impossible. That's That's seeing God do something that can't be explained. (laughs) That's being able, by God's grace, to erect a monument and a memorial to where I can look back and I can say, look what God has done. Amen. And I want you to know something today. I'm standing in a place where I can look back and say, oh my goodness, thank God that He made it hard sometimes. Amen? So I'm glad He made it impossible. Why? Because only He could do it. So, the wall of Jericho, you know what? God's trying to teach us that He has our back, He has our best interest. Listen, the Lord wants to show Himself strong on your behalf. I like when the Bible says that God will flex His arm, He'll show His arm, He'll show His strength in your life. Here's the thing, though I said God's going to do something, but you've got to do something. You know what you've got to do? You've got to believe. You can't quit, you've got to stay with it. Oh man, listen. He's trying to teach us. He's trying to teach us to quit relying upon our own wisdom. He's trying to teach us to quit relying upon our own strength. He's trying to teach us to say, okay, Lord, I trust You. I believe You. I follow You. I love what uh, the Bible says in Isaiah forty-three verse two. Kind of seems to fit. It says, "Here's what the Lord says: When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and and through the rivers, and though the rivers or through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. And when thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned; neither shall the flame kindle upon thee." Listen, folks, God has not changed. God has not changed. He's still the same God. And He's still a great God. Uh, The God of Joshua's day is the same God I serve today. He's still the miraculous God. He's still the God that wants to do amazing things. And I'm telling you, He will. The question is, how big is your God? Amen. I I heard... uh, uh, once about a, a fellow down in North Carolina went to a, ch- a church where a friend of mine pastored. And, uh, and he, uh, he was, uh, you know, his, his, his mental development was, you know, that of, uh, of, of a small child even though he was an adult. Uh, but one thing that he would do, he, he worked at a Burger King. And he would go out and he would sweep the parking lot and do things like that. But when people was in the drive-thru, it wasn't, it wasn't uncommon for him to come up to the window and just say to these people, How big is your God? How big is your God? Amen. And I ask you today, how big is your God? I mean, listen, and the truth is, if you're saved, your God is as big as He's ever been. But here's the problem. If we fail to magnify Him in our lives and we try to stay in front and stay in His way all the time, folks, He's not going to be able to do that which He could do through our lives. Because I said earlier, nothing can stop no creature. uh, Nothing formed against us, the Bible says, will prosper. But you know what the Bible says? It warned against the children of Israel. It said that they sinned. You know what they did? They limited They limited the Holy One of Israel. Are you limiting God in your life? Because we can with our doubt, with our unbelief. But man, if we'll just step out. And that's what we see here. Notice, Do you remember remember in the story that we read? He said when the priests step into the water. Let me tell you something. God said He would do something. But you know what you need to do? You need to get your feet wet. Amen. You need to get your feet wet. You need to step out. See, God's God's plan for our life is not in a map. It's not in a road map. It's in a relationship. God's plan for our life, see, we just are supposed to follow Him. Trust Him. He's a good God. He's a wise God. He's a loving God. Therefore, I can trust Him. See, the Christian life is a relationship. I'm walking with the Lord. He's walking with me. He leads me in this certain direction. It's a scary direction. There's a mile-long flooding river. It's impossible. It's impassable. But I'll say, okay, Lord. If this is the direction You're leading me to go, that's the way I'm going to go. I can trust You. It's a relationship, not a road match. You've got to be willing to get your feet wet. You know, this is is illustrated a few times when the Lord Jesus was walking the earth. Jesus came to a man that had a withered hand, the Bible says. He had this withered hand. And he'd come to Jesus for healing. And listen to what Jesus said to this man. Stretch forth thine hand. Now that man could have said, well, Lord, that's the problem. (laughs) That's kind of why I'm praying right now. I've got a problem here. But you know what that man did? He obeyed the Lord. And you know what he did? He stretched forth his hand. He said to the man that was lame and couldn't walk. What would he say? Rise up and walk. That's kind of the problem, Lord. That's why I'm laying here. You see what I'm saying? I mean, rise up and Walk. I mean, to think about the things that he told people. Here's the thing, they had to be willing to believe because here's the thing, God's commandments are God's empowerments. If God said to do it, he's going to do it and he's going to do it through you. You can believe him. See what we do is this is exactly what we do. Lord, you know he'll tell us, stretch forth your hand. Conquer this uh, that you conquer this sin in your life. You know what? This unforgiveness, this defeatism, this whatever else it is in your life, God says, come on, you can go further, you can leave that behind. And we sit there and say, Well, no, Lord, that's the problem. I can't. I can't. I can't. But you know what we need to do by the grace of God? Say, okay, Lord. Amen. We need to quit, we need to quit using excuses. We need to quit making excuses. These men, when Jesus stretched, stretched, stretched forth your hand, Murray, you know what that man did? He stretched it forth, and just like that, he was healed. The, the man that Jesus said, rise up and walk, guess what he did? Evan rose up and walked. What did he do? He did what the Lord said. And that's what we can do. Not because of our. See, we get so hung up with excuses. Well, I'm an unforgiving person. You know, my grandma was unforgiving. My mom was unforgiving. That's just the way I am. I'm unforgiven too. But Jesus says to forgive. Jesus says we're more than conquerors. Oh, no, no. I've been a loser all my life. I'm a failure. I'm an underachiever. I can't do it. You know, I mean, the, 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 whatever it might be, we, 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 we just say, no, God, I can't do it. You know what you need to do? Just believe me. Amen. Amen. Stretch forth your hand. Rise up and walk. Amen. He wants to do that in your life. How big is your God? Hey, let me tell you something. Leaders must be willing to step up and step out. Preachers, parents, husbands, wives, going into this new year. Young people, why are you, don't sit back and wait on the crowd? Don't sit and gauge what you're going to do based on what other young people are doing. Do not be a thermometer. Be a thermostat. You know what? What's a thermometer do? It tells you what the temperature is. That's what most people are. Let's see what the temperature is. Okay, so the youth group, they seem to be about this fired up for God. I'll hang right in there. Yeah, that sounds good. What's the youth group doing? Oh, most the youth group, they're just reading a couple, couple verses or a chapter of the Bible. Or, you know, or, or, or maybe they'll witness every once in a while. I'll do that too. I'll just, I'll just live up to that. No, change your standard, young people. Change, change your standards, adults. Change your standards, men. Be a man. Amen. Be a man. God has has given you a great position as a man. Be the man of your home. Amen. And when I say that, I'm not saying it in some kind of misogynistic way or anything like that. I'm just saying take some leadership. Amen. Be the loving, caring leader that God would have you to be. Amen. Invest in the lives of your children. Wife, the same thing. Mom, the same thing. Grandma, grandpa, whatever it may be. Don't be a thermometer. Be a thermostat. Set the temperature. Say, this is what I'm going to do for the glory of God. And so, be willing to step out. Now, as soon as the priest waded in with the ark, the water stopped flowing all the way back to Adam. There are so many great messages. I told you I'm not going to tell you all about it through these passages, but all the way back to Adam. Adam. You know what the cool thing is? What Jesus did when He stepped into the waters of death, which is what Jordan symbolizes and means, what Jesus did is it goes all the way back to Adam. He opened up the way. And all the way down to the Dead Sea. In other words, from the first person that ever lived to the last person that ever lived, Jesus has opened up the way for all for salvation. Jesus has opened up the way for all for this victorious Christian life. For the abundant life that you can live. He's opened up the way. And so we see earlier, I talked about those stones that they carried and they made a memorial. And that's what we were talking about earlier, making a memorial, looking and thinking about what God has done. And, uh, but the cool thing is, is it wasn't just that memorial, uh, because when I think about what the Lord has done, I, I, I thought about this as well, and I'll just say it here quickly, but um, it's kind of cool looking back because I talked about 10 years ago, but what about a year ago? There are some of you that have come to the Lord in the last year. There's people, there's people in here that, that within, right close to the last year have surrendered to preach the gospel. I mean, we, did, just think about this. This time last year, uh, we were still in the storefront with a lot of uncertainty. Now, I, I still believe that this building may come up available, but the, the fact of the matter is, it wasn't looking good at that point. It wasn't looking that good, to be honest. And, uh, and for those that were on the building committee, there was a realization starting to sink in because we were determined to do everything with cash. Everything with cash. And we weren't going to borrow any money uh, to build a building. But man, we started adding up that groundwork over there. Dirt work and concrete work. And this, we started kind of hitting the realization that God's, God's got the money, so it's not a big deal. we started thinking, man, we may not, it's going to be a struggle to actually finish a building this year. Right? I mean, do you remember that? That was a year ago. But now here we are. I mean, I mean, listen, God is blessing here. God. I mean, think about this. This can't be said. This could be somewhat said this morning. But over the, over, since we've been in this building, I'm thinking about the people that are here right now or the people that attend here regularly now. People that a year ago I had never even laid my eyes on. Never even laid my eyes on. And here you are, amen. A brother and a sister, amen. Working together to help build up, uh, the, the, to, to keep going on for the glory and honor of God. And so we, we look at those things, but I, I want to say kind of, I guess you would say lastly, this morning, if you would uh, bear with me for just, just a few more moments, and I want to kind of bring it to a close with what I want to emphasize about remembering. See, because we need to remember some things, so, to, to, we need to, there's things that we need to remember. There's things that we need to forget. And we need to remember to forget. See, God, had. they made this memorial in Gilgal, which became a key place for Israel for many years. They put these stones in Gilgal as a testimony, as a memorial of all that God has done that is good. We need to memorialize, but here's the thing. In verse 9, look at this real quickly. Chapter 4, verse 9. And the Bible says, uh, And Joshua set up twelve stones, where? In the midst of Jordan. In the place where the feet of the priests which bare the Ark of the Covenant stood. And they are there unto this day. What? Think about this now. I've already told you one thing about Jordan. It's, it's, it's infamously a very muddy river. It's a rushing river. And so there, he's putting a memorial in the bottom of a river. And this is kind of all that's really said about it. But you know that that's just as significant? Because for this part of memorial, I would say this. There's some things I would say, don't forget to remember. Don't forget to remember the goodness of God. Don't forget to remember the power of God. Don't forget to remember the answered prayers, the provisions, the the great things, the wondrous things that God has done. Don't forget to remember... But I gotta say this, there's some things, folks, we need to remember to forget. That's what the memorial in the river was about. There's some things that we need to remember to forget. There's some things from that, from, from, it may be with us today our failures, our falters, our sins, our unforgiveness, whatever things there may be from our old lives, the unforgiveness, the bitterness the things that we keep remembering and memorializing year after year, day after day, month after month. Joshua, there's so much preaching in this and I am told you I'm not going to do it, but Joshua is a picture also of the Lord. He actually takes these stones and sets them up. And I'm glad Jesus, if we'll give Him, the Bible says cast your burden on the Lord. Amen. If we'll give Him these things, you know what He'll do? He'll go put them in the river. Amen. And the water's going to come across them and they'll never be seen again. That's gone! Amen. That's good. See, you don't see these things, but I want to say, I've got some stuff out there in the river. I've got some things out there in the river that I would not be able to be where I'm at today had I brought those things with me. Some habits. Some, some memories. Some, some, some things of the old life that I've had to say, you know what? No. And so he said, you know what? We're, we're moving on. God's a good God, folks. Right. He wants to move you on from your past. Amen. Now, now, don't forget to remember the good things and what God has done. But you need to remember to forget some things. Amen? And somebody comes up and says, Oh, Jesse, I, I remember you, man. You were this and you were that and you were the other thing. I'm like, Oh, no, 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 no. That's out there in the river somewhere. Amen? Amen. It's a memorial. The floods of God's mercy have covered the hose. Amen? And the stones that I now memorialize are of what God's doing in my life today. God can do the impossible in your life. But I'm telling you, some things you need to be willing to do, step out, get your feet wet, believe, quit making excuses, and just say, yes, Lord. Yes. Yes. Forgive. Yes, Lord, I will. Be be the conqueror I've called you to be. Yes, Lord, I will. Yes, Lord, quit making excuses. Quit making excuses. Step out. But I want to say not only that, hey, remember not to forget the good things of God. And don't, for, don't forget, don't remember, <laughs> I'm getting mixed up my words now. Remember to forget the things you need to forget from the old life. Amen? Amen. Alright, let's all stand. Thank you so much for your patience today. How about it? The Lord tells you to stretch forth your hand. Are you doing it? are you giving a hundred excuses why you can't? He tells you to rise up and walk. In other words, he says, "I You know what? I can make you the man you need to be. I can make you the woman you need to be. Young person, I've got a plan for your life," he says. "Will you trust me? No excuses." Why? Because God's commandments are God's empowerments. If he says to do it, I understand. Somebody says, well, I can't do it. Here's the thing, folks. That's the whole point. God did not bring them to that mile-long Russian flooding river because the, to show them, look what you can do. No, He brought them there to say, I, I, I can't do this, Lord. Good. Let me say this to you today. I've talked to people and I've said, hey, man, you need to trust Christ. You, need to have a, you, you can have a personal relationship with Christ. You can accept Him. You can, you, you can know Him today. And somebody looks at me and says, but I don't believe I can live the Christian life. I'm like, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. You figured it out. That's good news. Because it's not about what you can do. The Bible says in the book of 1 John, it says to as many as received Him, I'm sorry, John chapter 1, but as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. It's not about you, it's about Him. If you're here today and you don't know Him as Savior, He went to the cross to die for your sins, He shed His blood to save you. Would you be willing to accept Him today? Accept the wonderful gift of salvation. You say, How do I do that? Well, I, 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 believe, I believe the Lord, you know, I mean, I believe in Jesus. Well, that's great. But you know, did you know that the Bible says the devils also believe and tremble? Because when the Bible talks about believing, it doesn't talk so much about believing in the Lord as believing on the Lord. You say, what's the difference? Believing in the Lord is just saying, yeah, I believe He exists. I believe He was born. I believe He died. I believe He rose again. Yeah, of course I believe in the Lord. Why not? That's believing in the Lord. But believing on the Lord is different. What's that mean? That means to put your faith in Him. That means to realize that, oh, that's why you went to the cross. You went there for me because my baptisms and my church and my goodness and all that stuff, that won't save. You went to the cross. You died there. You bore my sins. You rose again the third day. Believing on the Lord is to say, Lord, I I put my soul in Your hands from the heart. See, one's a head knowledge. The other one's a heart knowledge. The Bible says, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Call on the Lord today. Whosoever shall call upon the Lord shall be saved. Hey, Jesus has a plan for you. I told you. I promise you today He does. I promise you He's got a land. I promise you He wants to establish you. I promise you He wants to get you over some things in your life. And He wants you to know what it is to live a victorious life. It is possible. You don't know me, preacher. You don't know my problem. You don't know what I've done. You know what I say to you? You don't know my God. Because he can do it, amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you, dear God, so much for the the truth of, of these verses, the truth of this text. God, I pray that you'll help us to grasp these truths, to live by these truths, and help me, God, not just to be a preacher of these things, but to be a doer. Lord, help me, dear God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, God, to also claim this inheritance, dear God, to carry these stones, to get my feet wet to stretch forth my hand, to rise up and walk, to do whatever it is that You ask and command us to do, Lord. You're able. You're able. Hallelujah. We've seen You do it. Help us to remember that which we need to remember. Help us to forget that which we need to forget. We thank You, dear God, for that, for it's in Jesus' name.